Hello and welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. I'm Kay. And this week we're looking at Season 3, Episode 3, Martin Does It His Way, in which Martin dusts off an old song he wrote intended for Frank Sinatra, and he and the Crane Boys finally finish it off. So Key, in this episode, Old Blue Eyes is the name of the game. I want to ask you, where do you stand on Sinatra? I love Sinatra. I'm gonna That's be a honest. good answer. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> no, I'm a big Sinatra fan. Um, I love... I love, one of my favorite films is, um, or certainly favorite musicals is High Society with Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra oh, in it. Oh yeah, and they have that brilliant um, "Well Did You Ever" song where they're they're playing off each other. Uh, but no, I'm a really big Sinatra fan. I've got um, I don't have it in the flat because it's too big, but I had a record player at home and uh, some Frank Sinatra vinyl and stuff like that. Um, oh, I just so good. I could easily just sit and listen to it on a Friday night and just have a drink and sit and listen to Frank Sinatra. That sounds like a wonderful Friday night. I mean, I've got a few points to make on that front, but I'm going to save them because there's a specific moment in the episode that I wanted to mention something towards vinyl and records and things. Um, But do you have a favourite Sinatra song? Oh, It's such a hard question because he literally has so few songs in his career. Um, In terms of songs, I've got a real soft spot for um, That's Life um, because... When I used to, because I went, obviously went to university in London and when I'd come home, I'd get the train from Euston and there was always this old guy there just singing Frank Sinatra songs. No like, way. He was a busker, but he must have been at least like 60 or 70. And he wasn't the best singer, but he genuinely clearly loved Frank Sinatra and loved mm. what he was doing. And I remember him just singing and it was like, it was fairly quiet actually. There wasn't that many people there. It was just me, like tapping my foot like clapping along to him singing that's life when everyone was like is that his grandson or something what's, what's <laughs> are they doing? together or? <laughs> um so i've got a real that whenever i hear that's life it reminds me of that old guy and mm-hmm. i wonder how he's doing now i don't know that's um, a lovely that's lovely that is i've seen i've seen buskers of that kind but no none of them have ever had an impression on me like that um i'm kind of good you said that's life because that's also my favorite song by sinatra now it just looks like i don't know any of the sinatra songs <laughs> Um, that's life for me. I know we have a few video game players in the audience, but um, Tony Hawk Underground 2. You remember the skateboarding games and yeah. stuff on the PS2? Is Tony I, Hawk the only skateboarder that anyone knows? Because he's the only skateboarder I know. I know a lot of skateboarders that were featured in his games, <laughs> okay. but he is the, by far the most famous. But yeah, basically, That's Life was on the soundtrack to Underground 2, and it is just a wonderful song very big part of my childhood nostalgia etc i also just love new york new york um yeah. or the have theme you, from new york have new you york, ever have you called. got have you ever seen any of his films generally? no this is what's because like high society and on the town and stuff yeah on all, the town is new york new york they um, all look so good i know i'd like them i've seen quite a lot of them. i've seen um he's, he was in anchors away as well with um mm-hmm. gene kelly who's yeah. obviously probably most famous for singing in the rain mm-hmm. um and it's brilliant because frank's really quite young when he when he I mean, it's only he looks young when he filmed it Mm. Um, and it's hilarious because in one of the first scenes they're, they're both dancing um, and I think they're bouncing up from bed to bed and doing this dance routine and you can literally see Frank Sinatra looking at Gene Kelly to try and make sure he gets the choreography right and it keeps really? him tight. like yeah you could see that he was clearly the, the junior dancer and was trying to keep up basically but oh, really wow. I, I quite like his, I like old films like that where it's just you don't have it's to think too hard. It's isn't it? Yeah. Fun and yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've been meaning to watch them for ages and you've, you've mentioned them before and I keep thinking I'll go away tonight and watch one, but it's making the time. My film watching is terrible these days. But yeah, New York, New York, I think just it sounds like the city should sound, if that makes sense. That kind of that big ensemble kind of chorus and whatever. Um, yeah. So, so good. Uh, right. Shall we jump into Trivia Corner this week? Yeah, let's do it, mate. Okay. So we've got the usual trivia from MK, a few extras from uh him and uh, hamish's little cadre and obviously we have hamish's questions as well so i'll kick things off with cam winston's for you key numero uno when rehearsing martin's song what does niall suggest martin needs instead of another critic i know this because i think i made a joke about this at the end of last week's episode i think you did yeah um he says he i think you need a cardiologist cardiologist absolutely the heart is going is it um ring uh Ring, oh, I've got it in my notes. Is it? Uh, that's it. That's the first one. Ring, yeah. Ring one? Yeah. Ring, ring a ding. That's ring a ding. Is it Baddy Booty or Baddy? Heidi Heidi. Heidi Heidy. Oh, and then God. finally, based oh, on a classic TV Heidi, show. Heidi, she makes my. Oh, what is it? classic TV show? 
Scooby Doo, Scooby Doo. Oh, God. Scooby Doo, <laughs> So close. How have I got the question wrong and come I feeling like a loser? Sorry, I've got the question right and come I feeling like a loser. <laughs> okay, question two. Where did Aunt Louise finally make it to? I like oh. this. He, 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 he makes a joke about how does he like, she always wanted to go to the South Pacific um, on about a warmer climate. And he's like, well, I think she's finally there. Absolutely. A warmer climate. But yeah, hell is obviously the, uh, the intimation there. Pretty, pretty good writing there. Um, how tall is Frasier according to Roz and with what type of jaw? Okay. He's uh, about six foot one. Yes, he is. With a granite chiseled jaw. Oh, no, granite jaw and chiseled cheekbones. Chiseled cheeks, feeling a bit cobalt. red in his chiseled cheeks. Cobalt <laughs> eyes as well, I think. Cobalt blue eyes, yeah. How tall are you, Keith, incidentally? I am... I think you're a bit taller than me, aren't you? I'm about six foot, six foot one, if I really sort of stretch and lean. Yeah, but maybe with about the similar height then. Yeah. Um, I think I'm about like, yeah, just shy of six one, I think. Um, yeah. Not bad. We don't have a granite jaw, but you know, we're still six one. <laughs> um, trivia from Missy Elliott here. What is Frasier's license plate number? I'm trying to think. Oh, we see this oh, in the in the beamer, don't I we? know this because this is actually one of my questions. Oh so, no! I forgot um, to look at your questions. Damn yeah. it. So, so I, I do know it, but um it is what is it? Can't now you gotta remember it without looking at your notes. <laughs> oh no, it's right in front of me. Okay. It's three thirty, I think, mm-hmm. first bit. That is correct. <laughs> Is it three letters next or two letters? It's three letters. It starts with W. Yes, it does. And there's a T. Yes, there is. <laughs> is there another T? <laughs> no, it's W something T. Oh my God. It's in my question. I, I sent you the question. Didn't you? you I know. Can see I that. Oh. I'm so annoyed. I'm sorry I didn't look because you do that every week. And like, what's the point if I'm not looking at them? <laughs> oh, I don't learn the answers to my own questions because I never need to know them. Um, okay. W. Is it W? A, no, B, no, C, D, E, no. I'm going to say S. W, S, T. I'm afraid it was P for polo. Oh! W, whiskey polo is. tango. There it is, it's right there. <laughs> there it is. Whiskey polo tango. I mean, you're still on three out of four here, Keith, so no shame. And trivia from Hot House Orchid. How many choir members brought Martin's song to life, not including Frasier conducting or the organist? How many? How many? This is a really cracking question. I like. Okay, there's three blokes on the back row, and that includes the guy who that one guy carries the rest of them. (laughs) I'm only listening to it for him. (laughs) Okay, so there's three guys on the back row, but I think there's I think they're all women on the front. I think there's more women than there are guys. So I'm gonna say five women and three guys makes eight. I'm gonna say eight. I've got 11 here. Oh, that um, sounds really I nice. have a feeling. Um, I don't know why. I feel like there's a few, there's more than three on the back. Oh, you might be right. Maybe there's more. I don't know. Maybe it's six women in the front, and then it would have to be five on the back. But I don't know. We've got 11 here. Wow. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, we I'm trust done. Hot House Orchid. Um, so do you want to hit me with your, well, your two questions, considering I spoiled one of them for you, Kia. I apologize. I'll, I'll see if I can try and work out another question as I go along. By all means, even if it's like literally the hardest thing you can think of, just go. Okay. <laughs> so number one. Hit me. Who gets a facial tick when they say Balzac? Oh, man. It's one of the book club at Maris's, uh, Maris's book club. I always think of this. I always think of Mrs. Presley Bismuth and stuff. One from previous episodes. But I think it's going to be a new name now. It's going to be someone we haven't heard from. It's obviously a Mrs. Something. I think. Oh, can I get any kind of clue here? The initials, I think, are. Oh, so it... there is a first name. Yes. Mm. E K. That's E K. E K. I'm going to say. Eileen Kapowski. <laughs> Famously, um, Kennedy Burling's ex-wife, Eileen Kapowski. They're not on speaking terms. Uh, I've got Estabrook Kindred. Oh, man, of course, for God's sake. What is my third question, so my second question. Mm-hmm. How much does it cost to fly a kite at Wilson's Meadow? Or at least how much did it cost when Nars was a child? Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Is, is this is this not a monetary figure, but like the stuff that happens to him, as in it came he, at a cost? I'm pretty sure he mentions a, a monetary figure. Oh, okay. Uh, mm. How much would it to be? I'll double check it. But I, I'm pretty Fly sure he does. a a meadow. Yeah, I'm not, it might have been money to get into the meadow, but yeah, um, he, he mentions a price. 
what would be if you think it's a nice little kind of park area i'm gonna just say 15 dollars. 15 dollars what is it <laughs> to fly a kite uh, to get into a park land you're paying 15 dollars. <laughs> listen i paid more than that to get into blenheim palace mate and it was rubbish <laughs> mate i'm not paying 15 dollars now to get in never mind in what would have been like the 1980s 1970s <laughs> god mate um i have 39 cents Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> You're paying fifteen dollars, mate. For... Honestly, you go to Blenheim Palace. I think it was twenty-eight pounds to go into Blenheim Palace. Jeez, am I right in thinking? I could be wrong on this. Is there a solid gold toilet in Blenheim Palace? There could be. I seem to have. I seem to have heard that myself. But I went on the tour and I don't remember seeing one. I um, figured that you would know. You know, I. You, I used you the a... bathrooms there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see a gold one in the uh, in the publicly available toilet. It's where Churchill was born, isn't it? I think. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, I think so. Um, um, can you imagine being born into that born into that kind of money and aristocracy? I mean, the house is absolutely huge. Yeah. It's one of the biggest buildings I've ever been near. Um, it's nuts. It's nuts. Um, that wasn't a very good showing for me. That was a zero out of two. I'd say um, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to try and come up with a third question very, very quickly. And we'll okay. See do, you want me, do you want me to ask you MKs or do you want to just take five and come up with one? I think, I've, okay, I've got one, I think. Okay. okay lay it on me, dude. So when they give uh, ideas to change the line of, um, so obviously Fraser comes up with, she makes the, was it Bravest Cat go Friday? Go for Friday. What is Daphne's suggestion? Could have slept with Warren Beatty. Yes, there you go. <laughs> I've got that actually as a little bullet point because I really, really love that. Um, but yeah, there we go. Thanks, Ski. You threw me a bone there. There you go. I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, okay, let's see things for a close with MK. Here we go. Hopefully there's there's, there's five questions here, I think. Um, three from Hamish, uh, from MK, and two from some of the, some of the extras. Okay, I'm hoping there's been no duplicates here, but there probably has been. Question numero uno. How long did it take the boys to actually compose the song? And how long ago did Martin finish the lyrics? Okay, I think... Mm -hmm. I love this. I think they say when they're actually like performing in front of the piano that they've been there four hours, Correct. And I think Martin goes, oh, 30 years and it's done. Okay, take a bow. Take a bow. I did not remember the four hours bit at all. I considered it as a question. question. That's good stuff, that is. That's good eating. Uh, In the final version of the song we hear at the funeral, what is the final action the titular groovy lady makes the songwriter's heart do? So what's the last thing the heart starts doing in the final version of the song? Okay, so it's either, she makes my heart go hide it, hide it. <laughs> She's just the chick. I've been... <laughs> I spent my nights dreaming of. Um, I don't remember hearing Scooby. I think Heidi Heidi is the first one. Mm-hmm. It's then the ring, um, Ring-a-Ding or the yeah, Ring-a-Ding. Is that, is that your answer? Yeah, it's Ring-a-Ding. I, think, I, think, I don't remember them saying Scooby-Doo again at the end. I think they only did it at the start. So I'm going to say... Ring-a-ding. It would start ringing-dinging. Well ring-a-ding. played, Jay. Well played. Um, question 3A. Um, I don't know if there's... Oh, no, that's, it's not 3A. <laughs> it's just A next to the answer. We'd, we'd already drafted the questions and realised we missed one, so that's <laughs> thought it was 3A. According to Fraser and Niles, Aunt Louise found fault with everything, but they cite what three acts specifically? Oh, okay. We've done very well to avoid duplicates here in this particular batch, I think. Is it building or making an ashtray? I wish I had that ashtray it, now. It, it waddles. That's the best you can do. It waddles. <laughs> Is it cutting down a Christmas tree? I think as well. Buying a Christmas Buying tree. Buying a Christmas so tree. I'll accept that. So that's two out of three. Final one. Is it? I want to say it's like cutting the grass, cutting the lawn. Okay, you're on fire, lad. Mowing the lawn, mowing the. Can't remember ringing, Heidi, Heidi, or Scooby Doo, but the rest of it. Honest to God, man. Um, okay, from admin Steve here. Um, from the desk of Sydney Ass Basket himself. What is the name of the first caller and what line is he or she on? Oh, it's, I think it's line three. Oh God, you are, you are unbelievable. I'm, I'm trying to think it's either Ed or Eric. I would let you know that it is one of those names. Oh God. Is, is it Ed, Ed and Eddie or is it Eric the Red? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to say Ed. Okay, it's Ed. Is it? It's Ed, man. This is spooky. <laughs> Absolutely spooky. If you get, if you, if you get, oh, okay. This one. This is a good question from Niall Crane. Oh here. God. Okay. Niall Crane. How many sips of milk does Ross take in the opening scene? 
Oh god. Obviously, she's oh, using you... it to quench her glued peanut butter mouth. Oh yeah, I, I saw the peanut butter because I considered that as a question. Then it, it mm. came, it kept coming on. I was like, oh no, he's going to get it now. Um, she takes one long sip. Mm. I don't really remember the other sips. Um, I'm going to say right, maybe she she takes one long sip. I think I'm pretty sure of that. Maybe she takes like a couple of just smaller sips later on or something. Okay. I'm going to say three. I don't. Four. Four. So close. I so don't remember close. that at all. That was she, just a shot. She just loves her milk. What can we say? <laughs> um, but yeah, four. Good question there. A really good batch of questions this week, I think. Extremely good. A terrible showing from me. But I mean, oh, that mate, is... you, you got. I mean, you're paying 15 quid to get into a park, but you did, you did well. <laughs> I mean, it's written into the fabric of the show, I think, that I just have to do badly. Um, into the animation key, animation watch. Can you tell us what it was, please? Was, I didn't think there was any animation. No, there wasn't. I've literally just was... written in capital letters, fuming here <laughs> on my Word document. I was so angry. This episode as well, they could have, I don't know what, they don't have any animations in the bank that link to like music. Um, like there's no music notes coming out of the spire of the space needle. That would be mm. cool. Uh, that's just, just so annoying. Why do they yeah. do this? Why do they do this? We need to make a list of all the episodes that don't do it, and then just send a grievance to NBC. Um, so there's time for one more caller here as, as the episode opens. Ross enjoying her peanut butter, and just for this episode, Key, that's a little special one. I've uh, got a, I've got a hobnob here. Yeah. peanut butter spread on it um, oh god i'm a massive peanut butter fan i'm not I'm a peanut butter you're not. fan no i think we've all through why i just i don't know there's just something about i mean i'm not a nutty person generally mm-hmm. and it just doesn't look good it doesn't smell good it doesn't taste good it's well i'm eating some right now let me tell you it tastes very very good <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is your audition to replace Gil as the uh, happy <laughs> chef. <laughs> Cheesy. I'm going to have to start, um, I'm going to have to ration my bites here because otherwise you're literally not going to be able to hear what I'm saying. I will have to do the Eileen. Um, I feel like we've had an Eileen phone into the show before. No, I'm misremembering. It just seems like a name we've had, but it's, yeah. Was it, was it Eileen who was dating Martin, the delightful creature? Was she Eileen? Oh, was it? A delightful creature called Eileen. Or Diane, maybe? No, it wasn't. I don't think it was Diane. I thought it began with an M, but maybe, maybe it was Eileen. Um, <laughs> let me. I'm just looking you up. I go. What I'm we're all gonna... learning is I've got a good short-term memory, and long-term it all falls apart. Like... Where's KCL? Here we go. Here we go. I want to say Eileen. Yeah. I think. I think it could be Irene. 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 I don't know how you do that with peanut butter in your mouth. Put your eye and then. You've got nothing. <laughs> You've got a big look on your face. I'm just thinking, up. who was the other one then who actually spent... Because Irene, he saw through the camera. Um, mm-hmm. Or telescope, rather. Who was the other one they actually spent the night with? Oh, sorry. Um, on, on Guess Who's Coming to Breakfast. That's the episode, yeah. Um, let me let me have a look. Um, if I put Creature in. Elaine. <laughs> Elaine, Irene and Elaine. Elaine, Irene and Eileen, the holy triumvirate <laughs> of, um, of Frasier characters. Sorry, this peanut butter is so good. Okay, so, I mean, I, I love the um, I love the way Ross has to act this out, which we've already done kind of actually almost in real life with this peanut butter biscuit. Frasier's delivery of, oh, I don't know, Eileen. One of my favourite moments yes. in this whole episode. Oh, I don't know, Eileen. <laughs> I quote this all the time with my friends. Just he he obviously has a great voice and he just loves to to play up doing it, doesn't he? Oh, he does it so sultry and seductive. Um oh yeah. I, I can understand why he's got such a strong female fan base. I can see why Roz responds like she does, um, in literally 20 seconds time. So I think Roz is amazing here. Her description isn't fully accurate, let's be honest, of, of what Fraser looks like. I think she does him enormous goodwill um, <laughs> in this description. And then the way she responds in the booth and like actually like climbs astride him. It's intense, man. It's, like, it is intense. If if a if a if a friend did that to you, you'd be thinking, holy hell, like maybe they do have feelings. I don't know. Um, how did you respond to this? Because it's I mean, credit powerful. to Fraser. Fraser just keeps his head. He's like, Are you done yet? And like, no, I mean, I'd be hard to do that. You'd be like, <laughs> yeah. Man, is this is really happening right now. I, al- I also feel there's someone in HR running around with a form that needs to be completed out <laughs> because she's acted this out. <laughs> it's powerful, man. I mean, Perry Gilpin does a really good job there. Oh, she does a fantastic job. It really it's, steals it's, this scene. It's very sensual. Like, you can tell 
that she's taking the mick, but she really does it so well. She performs it so well. You believe so, her, don't you? Like, yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah. If you didn't know the character, you'd fully believe her. Yeah, it's... if you were just tuning in, it has the air of like a fantasy that like Fraser's gonna wake up in bed or something, and this yeah. was a fantasy he was having. Um, there's definitely that kind of air to it. Um, so we now come back to the apartment from KSCL. Uh, Niles, <laughs> Niles makes the ladies self-conscious at Maris's book club, so he's he's staying for dinner. Um, do you really think he would do that? Is Niles the kind of person to make women self-conscious, or do you think in a in a way that they're attracted to him, or more in the sense that they're embarrassed to like discuss a book in front of him? I don't know. In what way would he be intimidating? I mean, I I think yeah, they they maybe just don't want him around. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> But I think maybe in the sense that they don't want to discuss it in front of him. They all, I mean, Maris is the impossible woman. And if they're anything like her, I can just imagine that they can, they get startled very easily. And if there's just a strange man lurking there, then regardless <laughs> of like it's his house. He lurking lives there. there, he lives like, there. <laughs> <laughs> but he's lurking, okay. Um, so I imagine, yeah, they just don't want him like, hanging around. So he said, oh, why you can't just go to his room or anything like that? I don't know if that he's... Um, <laughs> go to his room. Makes him sound 12, doesn't it? <laughs> like, he's, like his mom and dad have got parents, like family over or something, friends over for a dinner party. I'd love to know what book they're doing for the book club. What kind of literature must Maris read? I mean, we know she reads think, Danielle Steele. Um, so I, I think it's like Clockwork Orange. She's oh my god, <laughs> I absolutely love that book. I mean, yeah, I've never read it. Um, it it's it's famously. I don't, you probably already know this, but listeners might be interested. It's written in something called Nadsat, which is basically a hybrid of Russian and English. Um, so it has like its own dictionary in the back to like because it's written entirely in that. So for example, like your Gulliver is your head. If you toll chuck someone, that's to punch them. Um, I think Appy Polyloggy is to say sorry. It's just nuts. And the whole God. book is written in that. So like by the time you've got into the book, you're kind of reading you it fluently. It. But it's it's intimidating, I think. Um, it's, all I know is it's really, really dark. It is dark. The right. film's also dark. It's yeah, I remember I remember when I was a kid hearing that film and like my brother and my dad like wouldn't talk about it in front of me because it was obviously like you know a really controversial film and i just become obsessed with wanting to know what it was about and it's like oh what's going on in this film and then i watched it and it's like it is pretty dark but by today's standards it's tame you yeah. know so it's one of those but great film great film by all accounts seagulls hate her this is obviously yes. about um what's the name of the actual aunt here that's passed away Louise. Aunt Louise. Um, yeah. se- seagulls hate her. I've got a great story here. A very quick one. Only a couple of, uh, only a minute or so. We. Well, off- sorry, what are you going to say? Am I thinking that the seagull went stole your chips from you? Have I, have I told else? this on the podcast before? Possibly. Yeah. I think it, I have. Haven't did I? it steal your chips? It was my dad's fish. <laughs> it stole my dad's fish on the on the sea front of Lyme Regis <laughs> and he chased it down the promenade. God, my anecdotes are so short now that I'm already <laughs> repeating myself. We're barely halfway into the podcast, a quarter into the podcast. I, um, I just love that Niles uh, has to just point out um, Seagulls hated her and vice versa. And vice versa. <laughs> Not, no kind of unrequited love going on here. I, I love that that just go, yeah, that, that doesn't go without saying. He has to say it. Um, I mean, I have pretty strong opinions on seagulls. Where do you stand on them? I don't like seagulls. They seagulls. are like rats with wings to me. They just yeah. eat food and crap. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much. Do. That sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah, they're just extremely obnoxious. I mean, Nars' delivery of this, I've already said the line earlier, but I wish I had that ashtray now. I love the way, <laughs> the way he looks at the urn. Um, it's just absolutely amazing. Um, the little ashtray that they did make um, in, in camp that he's referencing there, Obviously, there's a nice little token of something that they've made, like, you know, a, 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 an adult in the family. This really reminds me of, do you remember the toy fairs we used to have at St. Edward's at school? Yeah, I do, yeah. Obviously, for listeners, basically, all the parents in all the years would just get together loads of old toys that we didn't play with anymore, and you could just go around and buy whatever you wanted. But I remember buying this little wooden, like, potpourri box or something. Um, not for me, I think it was <laughs> for my mom. It's like, I don't know, spent the money on that. It's not a toy at all. Um, but it reminds me of that, like, this little crappy Man, ashtray. where are you doing your Mother's Day shopping, like toy fairs. <laughs> That's what she wants. I was like nine years old. I could have bought, you know, a transformer or something, and I buy her popular. Well, if it was Optimus Prime, she'd have wanted it. <laughs> 
It's foresight, mate. It's foresight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we find out that she's Aunt Louise has finally made it to a warmer climate now. Obviously, yes. hell being hell being that um, that warmer climate. And I just love Martin here. I just think in general, his his description now, talking about the shoebox and talking about the songs and talking about Sinatra and the way. I love the way he's already confessed this to Daphne in a, in a previously unseen moment because he says, you know, I told you that in confidence, not that you could go telling it to everyone. Um, so that's a nice little throwaway line. But I just think, I just think John Mahoney's wonderful here. It's so nice. Like you can see it's something that he's a bit sensitive about because it means a lot to him. Yeah. And it's really handled well, I think, because it's writing songs is not something I think you would generally associate with Martin, or at least you wouldn't up until this point if you've never seen it before. You're yeah. not associating that with Martin, I don't think. And it does show a, a different side to him, that sensitive side that we usually see at the end of a monologue, at the end of a 20-minute episode after everyone's been fighting. <laughs> yeah. We see it in just sort of a more proactive side of actually putting down his feelings on paper. Um, and I think it's handled really well, just in the way that he's clearly uncomfortable in telling people, but it comes out and everyone's quite receptive and, and responsive to it. Um, played off really beautifully by the fact that he wrote one on a confession note. <laughs> oh, well, it's like, it feels me lose my mind. <laughs> it should be in an evidence locker somewhere, surely. <laughs> Who's bringing the confession that. notes home? I need, <laughs> I need some pen and paper. So I'm just gonna. Honest to God, that the way Frazier reads that, she made me lose my mind. Like his head kind of just keeps going up as he says it. I love that. That is a brilliant gag to, to conflate those two things. But yeah, I completely agree with you. I just think. Um, the fact that this is so unexpected from him, but then it becomes really natural because the other two, and obviously Daphne, this isn't unnatural to them. This is something that's great. They're thinking, oh man, you've written songs. You know, that's something we're into. Let's let's discuss that. Um, so yeah, I just, I just think ultimately it's really nice. I just love him talking about Sinatra and like how him and him and Hester always dreamed of seeing Sinatra at the Sands and stuff in Vegas. Um, there's actually a, a vinyl. This is one of the things I wanted to mention. It's a record of Sinatra at the Sands. I think that's what it's called. It's like a live album. It's regarded as like one of the best live albums of all time. And I think in particular, it's one of Sinatra's best ever releases, but it's like really rare now. They never pressed it again, as far as I'm aware. Um, I think it's a fairly... Fairly pricey record, as a lot of Sinatra collectibles are. Um, but yeah, I also think the title "You Are the Song My Soul Would Sing." That's really beautiful. It's absolutely it's lovely. So I mean, isn't it? Frey's like, oh, very poetic, but it's a really <laughs> nice line. And then just the next line, you make my heart go ring a ding ding. <laughs> <laughs> that was during Frank's ring a ding bit. I love that line, man. I actually don't know if Frank did have a ring a ding period. I like, I know he probably had a few songs with ring a ding in. But yeah, is there a like strict period where he was? It was his ring a ding period. I I just think of ring a ding as like fifties and sixties, basically. Yeah, <laughs> angry. and I, I, it's kind of yeah. I, I I he had such a long career that I kind of can't point to when and where he was big. Um, I've got one comment on that about the fifties, which we'll we'll get there in a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's I, I'm not very good with Sinatra's periods. Um, I don't know if you you know I mean, when I was think... that's life. I mean, like fifties. 50s, I think. Yeah, Let's but I think, I think he was coming to prominence by what second end of Second World War, maybe. My, my head's too early, maybe. 66 was that's life. Wow, it's like I know. I mean, New York, New York was that's got to be earlier. That was I think the film is yeah, it was it's in the film, so it can't be too late. Theme from New York, New York is this. No, no, that's not it's, it. It's 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 from on the town. Yeah, it's from so... on the town. On the time was when forty late forty is forty nine. Yeah, forty nine. Yeah. Um. So there you go. So yeah, just a really yeah. big span for his career. Oh yeah, like he's he's one of the few except like of generally speaking, it's celebrities. You go up and then you come down and you're forgotten. Sinatra, I think he's one of the few who just stayed up and just he's never just came down. Immortal again. now, isn't he? Like yeah. Um. Quick trivia, you'll know it. I'm sure. Can you remember what his nickname was that's referenced in this episode? Oh, Blue Eyes. There's, sorry, there's one more. Old Blue Eyes, and there's one more that he was known as. And Martin Martin uses the kind of slightly abbreviated form of this, and he says, I'll send it to the himself. Don't Maybe he says, I'll send it to Frank's people, and they might even yeah. kick it upstairs to the blank himself. 
was the chairman himself or? the chairman of the board i think the was chairman his, of the uh, board chairman of the board was his nickname so yeah martin says chairman um one question i thought was going to be asked like guaranteed in trivia corner this week yeah. how many times is the word shoebox mentioned in this scene because i counted about six instances of the word shoebox i didn't even think to count that you'd have gotten me completely if you'd Daphne gone with that. says it about three times like oh and he keeps in a shoebox look i hear it is look just like <laughs> i said in a shoebox i would say about daphne in this I love the way she comes back in and she's like, I've got them here. I, I really like that. But when she goes to get them, I find it really stilted. Yeah, like how she kind of like runs off the set, you mean? Yeah, it's like she takes a moment where she's not really moving as though she's thinking about whether she should go and oh, then goes. But I, I, I missed that. I wasn't stilted. looking at her during that moment. I wish I had been now. Yeah, it's like it's almost as though she, I think she puts her hand on the back of the chair and sort of looks that way. And it's as if she's thinking and it, I just I find it's a bit stilted for me, but I do love the way she comes back in. It's like, here, you know, it's weird, isn't it? Because a lot of the time we're never looking at the background characters mm. in like, as in she's in the background of that scene. Not to say she's a background in Frasier, um, but like we're never looking at them in those particular instances. And when you do, you realise they still have to keep acting in quote marks in the background, and it often doesn't work because it's like they're not actually responding to anything. It's yeah, yeah so I get what you mean. It's probably it was hard to make that look organic, I guess. Um, this is the po po uh, point now, the shoebox, where we have the confession. I didn't mean to hurt her. She just made me lose my mind, um, which is just absolutely incredible. Um, and then they finally coax Martin into, you know, teasing the song back into life and, and finishing it. I love Nas. I get the piano. <laughs> As they rush toward it. Would you have rather heard the song, that you know, the one that was, you are the song my soul would sing. Would you rather heard that than she's such a groovy lady? A miles more. <laughs> just the way that he turns around and goes... This is a great song. All the others are no good. This one. What about you are the song my soul? Was I was like, that is that. a good song. <laughs> and also just way more like way more fitting for a funeral. Um, I've kind of got my one of my last bullet points is that's not exactly appropriate for a funeral. I've, I've got quite a lot of comments on that funeral. Um this episode in particular, without kind of bogging down in it too much now, it's very much an episode of two halves. Um like really distinctly and i much yeah. prefer the first half like yeah. so much more and i mean i'm I really... sure everyone agrees with that but i kind of just wish it was all about them in the apartment writing the song yeah for me that is all i really remember of the episode when i think back is them around the piano and and martin going john mahoney does that so nobody can ba -ba -da -ba -ba -wa -wa -wa. like john mahoney it's like, come on Nars, it's the big finish <laughs> um i just yeah I, I i'm the same as you i think when i think of fraser in general one of the most indelible scenes is them sitting around that piano and i mean we have it in a different episode where they play goldfinger in the coffee in that bar around yeah. that guy's piano and it's just this obviously something they the writers liked but yeah they're, they're rushing I've, I've put here as well that we rarely see this angle of them at the piano so we have the camera of like the two sitting on the chair or like Frazier standing behind Nars and you've got the, the skyline behind them don't think that's a camera angle like we've had up to now um just a weird I guess observation you make when you've been watching these episodes throughout your whole life and we've got to find stuff to talk about but um this whole kind of setup around the piano feels different um can you remember what the title card says now when it cuts them back like four hours later when they're still writing it oh god no i didn't oh so if i can find the vinyl record it's, that it's, it's what it's a play on a song i know that it's it's the name of a song oh, the and, name of a song. and an album which i have here and i'm gonna i'm gonna show you in a minute um it's, really, it's gonna be really obvious. I'm gonna be kicking myself, aren't I? Uh, maybe it, this isn't one of Sinatra's for me. It's not like one of his kind of big tracks that like the average Joe knows. Um, but it is big in kind of Sinatra's career, I guess. And like the album in particular is considered his best album, but it doesn't have any like any of the famous songs on it, but it's still considered oh, okay. his best album. I may not know it then. What okay, what it is, is it? In the wee small hours. Oh um, yeah, it's the, it's the, okay. It's not one of my favourite songs. Yeah, the, I have song, heard it. the whole album is like famous because it's like he he basically wasn't big. Uh, he had a big moment like in the forties, late forties, or whatever. Then he kind of dropped off and was actually like there was a big period for a few years where he genuinely was like kind of everyone thought that was the end of Sinatra and then I think this was 55 he released this and it's it's just a really sad album like you meant to listen to it like late at night it's about you know like lovers leaving you or lovers of long ago whatever and yeah. it basically like the critical success was massive does it have that song on it which is um 
and the Portland through the winter storm. Do, 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 do. Oh, okay, I can't, I can't do the tune. But... Give me some of the lyrics. What was that? Through Portland. Suicide in the good times and something in the bad. Um, in Portland through the winter storm. Do, do, something with something. Oh, no, it's gone. Through um, the winter storm. Love's been good to me. That's it. Once in a um, while, along the way, love's been good to me. Am I right in thinking that he was in that film, wasn't he? Was he in that film with Jimmy Durante when he was young? Um, oh, you're asking the wrong guy, mate. I'm going to have a look. Um, might not have been him. I'm this is a bit of a tangent, but I also think it's very relevant to the episode because it is a Frank Sinatra episode. I've been, I mean, the- been going on <clears throat> how much I love um, Frank Sinatra and now I've just forgotten everything about him. I think it's um, it happened in Brooklyn. If I'm right in thinking it, um, Frank Sinatra plays a young singer, a wannabe singer, and Jimmy Durante was obviously old, this old hand at it all. Um, and they do a really nice song where Jimmy Durante sings to him. Like, it doesn't have to be witty or smart, just so long as it comes from the heart. Oh, yeah, it comes from the heart. Yeah. The song's got to come from the heart. Yeah, I've not yeah. heard that, but I know I know of it. Um, but yeah, I, in, in the wee small hours of the morning is obviously the title card in the Frasier app. Um, it's a really really great album but yeah it's like a really sad kind of contemplated one um and if you ever listen to like chet baker the trumpet player and singer from like the 50s 60s 70s he he did a really good um a really good cover of uh i get along very well um without you or whatever the song's called and that's on that album um but yeah that's that's probably the end of my sinatra tangent i I don't know if you've have you ever seen the tv show good night sweetheart no, I don't think I've even heard of it. Okay, so it starred Nicholas Lindhurst from Only Fools and Horses. Oh, okay, Rodney. yeah. And basically, he was a TV repairman in the 1990s, and he finds a time portal. Wow. Um, and he lives two lives, basically, between the 1940s and the 1990s. Mm-hmm. And most of the episode titles are named after like songs from the 40s and 50s. So um, somewhere between the devil and deep blue sea, someone to watch over me. Yeah, it's just it's quite nice to be honest. Yeah, right. I, I like the I like the poster. I'm just looking at it now, kind of like an old war poster. Yeah. I mean, did we mention someone to watch over me on the episode title that it was a, a Gershwin song? I think I we should have done. I'm not sure if we did. I don't know if we did, but yeah, I, I I saw that yesterday. So just there it is. People probably already knew that, but just for clarity's sake, um, the greatest lyric that never was here. She's the bravest. She makes the bravest cat. Go for rainy. I She's love like this. a word, oh cool and shady. And they're just Martin going, yeah. And just like, <laughs> if, the, if the audience didn't laugh at that point, there's a real prolonged silence. And it's like a really awkward moment after he sings that lyric. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Frazier's just his physical acting and, and the way he delivers that line is incredible. He's so pleased with it. You can see it. How about she makes the bravest cat <laughs> go for <laughs> Go for Then I love Daphne's line. Um, he could have slept with Warren Beatty or she could have slept with Warren Beatty rather. Um, it's just the way she sings it in that high-pitched sing-song voice. Yeah. And I just think it's really funny. Like it, it actually makes me laugh every time I hear it. I just think she has nothing to do in this episode. Um, yeah. So at least they give her a funny moment here, I think. Um, I enjoyed that. Also, she, she uses the word pissed here. Talking about um, this doesn't newt, doesn't she? After they after they've written the song, she's talking about her brothers going to a funeral and dragging themselves there after they were hung over. I mean, that's got to be one of the rare times that's used in in this show. Other than bastard, um, I don't think we ever hear shit. I don't think we ever hear fuck. No, I don't think uh, there's any chance for hearing those. It's um, just it's just bastard w- and pissed. I, I wonder if it's another one where in America it's not po- as much possibly not as much. Um, yeah, good point. Niall's trying to find space for the ashes to be scattered. I've got now. I don't know if I've skipped a bit here. Um, uh, let me go. Oh, yeah. So basically, Niall's arrives now, doesn't he? Um, they're basically going to head to the funeral. Um, and he just talks about how, you know, nowhere will be good enough for her, like a beach, a moonlit pond, a, you know, a lovely glade or something, like a wooded glade. Yeah. All of those places sound absolutely delightful. I'd love to have my ashes scattered there. Um, <laughs> But ultimately, they they go to this clearing that he settles on. Is this the place where they fly the kite? Is that where they go in the end? Uh, yeah, Wilson's Meadow. Yeah, Wilson's where he, Meadows. he um, broke his collarbone, I think, in two places. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, like, just I love the the kind of dual narrative that's going on here. So you have Fraser and Martin having a really lovely moment in the car when he knows he's he's found out about from from Frank's people, obviously not from Sinatra himself, um, that the song's not going to be going to be turned into anything. 
and then Nars in the background just smashing the urn off a tree. Trying yeah, to have open you, it. I did consider as a question, what are these three things we see Niles trying to do to get it open? So I think one is smashing it against the trunk. Yeah. Yeah, one, just... it looks like he's stamping on it. Yeah. Um, oh, there's another one. Oh, you've already said it, I think. Is it, he, against the tree? When he's the tree, he's... tree stamp, and there's a third one. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, the third one, it's not a real like, thing. Does he throw just, it? You, you see him trying to twist it. At the oh, like, actually trying to wrestle yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that would have been a good question. I like that. Um, but yeah, I just I just think that's really good. And I just love the little detail that when we're back in the car, that Frasier was singing the song in the shower. He's like, oh, you know, it's really catchy, Dad. I even caught myself singing it in the it morning. It is catchy. I've been singing it ever since I watched the episode, just sort mm. of singing it to myself. Just the first Same. two lines, but <laughs> she it, it, is such a groovy lady. Right? <laughs> <laughs> She's such a groovy lady. Um, it is really catchy. I mean, it is obviously, given it's the 90s when they're writing this, Frank's long been out of his ring-a-ding period. Um, so <laughs> also, it, yeah, I feel if you just write a song and send it to a singer, does it does that work? I don't feel that works. I think a lot of singers are too proud uh, to to accept songs that like from random people. I think like it's it's very much a valid thing to write music for other musicians, isn't it? Of course, yeah. but I think from from Joe Public, I think you'd be a bit like. You'd need an in, wouldn't you? You'd need someone yeah, to introduce you, just, you and all that. If it's and... unsolicited, you just think, oh, yeah, thanks for sending this, but, you know, I like to use my own words or whatever. Yeah. Um, I know I'd probably be a bit like that if I was writing songs because that is your whole point of being, isn't it? Like, I'm going to yeah. write a song. Um, I, 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 that's why I love this episode because I, I love the idea of songwriting and I don't particularly do it, but, you know, I like to create little little piano bits and guitar bits and stuff. And um, one day, maybe I'll put it all together in an actual three-minute, minute think but um yeah i just think generally songwriting's a, a really great concept for a fraser episode given they're all really arty um so yeah the, the funeral scene happening now they're they're inside the church um fraser as a show does deal with death a fair bit i, I realized like even when it's minor characters there's a lot of episodes with like funeral concepts yeah, I mean, a lot of people, we, we see a lot of people who are dead or dying quite a bit. You know? <laughs> I mean, already so far, I'm thinking <laughs> death becomes him, the doctor dies. Yeah. We see, obviously, is it Artie, I think, who had the half of yeah, his guts? Yeah, burying a grudge. Yeah, half of his guts scooped um, out. Obviously, we've got this now. We have death and the dog. We have Nars' yeah. scare late, late on. So it, it's really quite unflinching in its approach towards death and, and how it deals with it. And it deals really, really well, actually. And what's interesting here, I think, is this is the first time that we see the death of someone they actively dislike. Yeah. Than, whereas everyone else, they either don't know them or they like them. It sees death in a very different perspective. In that, Whereas the others... They're trying to reach some philosophical conclusion or they're trying to justify them maybe being in a better place or something like that. This, they really don't care about Aunt Louise at all. And, yeah. and the, the philosophical lesson isn't about death, more it is about just trying to seize life and get the most from it. And what I really like is the fact that they don't view that in the sense of success or not. It's not about whether you you know make the landing. It's about taking the jump which is, I quite like that in the sense that Martin isn't necessarily successful in that, you know, Frank doesn't take on the song and sing it, but he did it. And that's that's what matters was taking that leap. Yeah, no, completely. I think it's a really good summary. And like taking a leap in a way that works and not like the leap before you leap episode. <laughs> something, something, buns I, and bars. The thing is, I don't know the actual song. So whenever I sing that to myself, I'm going, da 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 Let's all go to a taco show. But no, that was a really good, really good description, I think, of this of this episode. I mean, I've just put the writing and delivering a eulogy must be must be really hard. I do empathise with Fraser here. It's just is especially for someone he doesn't like. I mean, it's a it's a tall order. The, the way he's like, uh, how how fond she was of teaching us a lesson. Yeah, <laughs> I can't even think of it without hearing the words. I am going to teach you a lesson. <laughs> Probably the biggest laugh from the episode for me that moment. I find this really weird though, right? Because I've mm -hmm. been to funerals, and one I find it weird that they just scattered the ashes, just the three of them, before the funeral. Funeral. Yeah, that's odd. And secondly, you don't usually start the funeral with the eulogy. Yeah, do how you? does that work? <laughs> how have they got the ashes before the funeral? <laughs> ashes before the funeral and 
the eulogy right in the start. It's as if like he's the, the warm-up act for the priest <laughs> who's going to come on after and do an encore. What the <laughs> What's and now the there? headliner, Reverend <laughs> Kennedy Burney. Um, yeah, but like, what the hell? What it's the a hell weird is... structure. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's meant to be like kind of a, a just a ceremony, I guess, rather than an actual funeral. Yeah, the jury's out here. Doesn't make sense. They've scattered some ashes. Whose ashes they are, we it's are not. It was, it was someone else from the rest home. I've just grabbed the <laughs> um, Frasier clicking in front of the choir is hilarious. He's going for it. Absolutely like... loving it now and the, the choir kick into it. I mean, as I said, it's just not appropriate for a funeral, this song. But I mean, what are you going to say? I say? just love his delivery. But he's doing, you know, he's actually doing the eulogy. He's like, what I can say about her is she's such... A groovy lady. <laughs> <laughs> I <And> said she's <laughs> such a groovy lady. <laughs> um, my only other comment. What? Another point. How did Niles get that much uh, much of the ashes in his shoe? Because they went <laughs> over the top of him. What? Why were they in this shoe? Uh, that doesn't make sense. And also, although it would be uncomfortable. They're, it's basically like sand. It's not like having a stone in your shoe. There's yeah. no need for him to remove the shoes in the funeral. And Niles has more etiquette than to do that. Just um, pour them on the floor. Just like... pour them, I'm just going to pour the ashes of the body of the person we're here celebrating onto the floor of the church. At the start, he was really trying to find a nice place to scatter them. By the end, it's just, yeah, check on the floor. Why by not? the end, she's literally collected in the post credit scene by the janitor <laughs> and, and chucked into a little bin. So uh, yeah. The other thing I would say about this scene and is that that guy, the old Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That guy carries that entire choir for He's me. Unbelievable. Like, the man. rest of them are all filler. He is the main man. He is the, the Kennedy Burling of that choir. <laughs> just unbelievable. Mitch, my second last bullet point is just oh yeah in capital letters. I um, I can imagine he rules with an iron fist as well. At the oh, end yeah. of at the end of each rehearsal, he's like, that wasn't good enough, Gladys. Okay, you get the pitch and you get it right. You stay on my time, Gladys, okay? Uh, it's a no-no honest... no for me, guys. <laughs> we end with the janitor mopping up the ash. Um, the irony being, obviously, they've spent all this time looking for a good place for her, and she ends up there. Key, is this episode in your top ten? It's not in my top 10, but it is, I, it's one I think very highly of because I'm a sucker for a musical episode. Anything a bit of music in, but I love the one with the, the theme song as well. That's um, so good. But yeah, I'm a sucker for a good song. And it's a song that really does stick with me. I think if, if, you, if I hadn't seen this episode for you know, several years, I would still remember the song. You mm-hmm. know, I think it's a very catchy song. It's, very, it's a fun, easygoing episode to listen to. I really like it. But not in my top 10, but not necessarily that far away. I would honestly say if the latter half of the episode was as good as the first half, or indeed the first half is just the episode, because um, I don't feel like they need the plot of the funeral. Like I think, I think, for, I think the idea of Martin discovering a shoebox of Martin Sinatra songs and wanting to turn them into something is way more of an episode plot. And like they could even like say they found out he, I don't know. He had offices in Seattle. Some of his people were in Seattle. I don't know. It's a bit far-fetched. They could have like driven there. That would have been the excursion part of the episode yeah. to, to deliver it hand personally to, For me, to Sinatra. It seems like the only point of Aunt Louise and, and actually having the funeral, the only point of having the funeral is so they've got somewhere to perform the song. Yeah, and I feel like they're kind and of so There's better otherwise. ways of doing that, I think. Mm. I think that um, maybe a better way of doing it would have been, say... Martin gets rejected. He's feeling really down, and Fraser devises some reason for him to go and visit him at KACL. And then when he gets there, he's got a choir of people there, and they're on air actually performing over the radio or something. Oh, that'd be so good. I think that would have been, been a lot more meaningful to because then everyone's sort of heard his song. His song's gone out, and it's like he's made it a little bit. I'd have preferred that, I think, as an ending rather than the funeral thing which and don't get me wrong i really love some of niles's lines in regards to um, aunt louise and particularly his physical comedy with the the ashes yeah for sure i just don't the funeral i just feel like there was a better way of doing it and i maybe yeah the, the funeral it's a bit it's definitely i think i agree that the second half is weaker than the first half yeah for sure it does the funeral is a bit of a non-star i think um so, yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to see what the listeners think. I think there are other ways of bringing Martin's song into the world. And I just think that idea of being at KCR and actually broadcasting it is is a really great idea. I'd love to have seen that. Uh, it's not in my top ten either, as I said. But, yeah, I think I think with with an episode, a first half as strong as the – a second half as strong as the first half, it definitely could have been top ten contender. So, uh, best actor pick um, – 
at first seems quite easy, but then when I actually thought about it, there's it's quite a lot of there's a lot of good stuff happening between the three crane boys here. They all have really great moments. Yeah, for me, I think um, a shout out to Roz. She doesn't have enough, I don't think, to do to be considered as best actor pick. But what she does do, yeah. she does, I think, fantastically well. She's really, really strong in that first scene. Here, here. But it is, I think, between the three crane boys. Um, mm. Fraser, of course, I really like the delivery of the eulogy. Um, and Wade and his, you know, like bobbing his head and clicking his fingers in front of the choir, despite the fact he's at a funeral. Um, I quite like that. Niles has some brilliant sort of zingers and one-liners against Aunt Patrice. Uh, I keep saying Aunt Patrice, Aunt Am Louise. I? Yeah. Uh, against Aunt Louise, um, particularly in regards to, um, as you've said about, oh, I wish I had that ashtray now, um, and stuff like that. But for me, I think I've got to get give best actor pick. I think just to John Mahoney for one, for his way of going, ah! <laughs> Love that. Um, I just, he just, his voice is so like, I don't know, like, I want to say gruffly, but I'm pretty sure that's not a word. Um, you know, gruff is a word. Gravel, or gravelly. <laughs> gravelly, yeah, I want to go with that. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Um, I love, I say, his initial sort of shyness with regards to the song, but how when he sees everyone else accepts it, how he, he, he jumps sort of straight into it once he sees that everyone else is on board. Um, and just his face at the end, he seems so happy when. They're actually performing Bemused the and then happy, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. You can't um, get the spectrum. Which I really, really like. So for me, for that reason, I'm going to give it to, to Martin for John Mahoney. Very eloquently put, Kate. I have also gone for Martin. Um, and I don't need to say any more, I don't think, because you've just summed it up brilliantly. Um, but yeah, the, the episode is all about him doing it his way. Uh, obviously, my way so an archer yeah. reference we should just cover that because we always forget to do the titles that used to be one of my favorite things we did on the podcast and now we forget <laughs> we to do it every it. week um but yeah we'll try and remember to bring that into the end of episode good I mean, in terms of this season i mean i think what she's the boss there was a tv show i think in the 90s called who's the boss yeah that rings know, is it a play on that maybe could be shrink wrap shrink wrap is definitely something because i know in my family a british show there's an episode i think called shrink wrap so that it, is definitely it, it's also just punning on the fact that obviously shrink wrap itself obviously is is a material or whatever and then shrink for the psychiatrist is obviously a nickname in america for psychiatrist and then wrap it's like shrink wrap it's like it's psychiatrist talk you see what i mean it's like a synonymous yeah. with psychiatrist talking shrink wrap because obviously rap is a bit of a strange word in that context so yeah there's, there's something going on there even if it's not a direct reference to something it's just a very good pun yeah and then this episode obviously um my way frank sinatra song um, which actually do... is i'm not a huge fan of my way oh you're not no i don't mind no. it but I... I wasn't a fan like the first time I listened to it I'd been fairly young and wasn't a fan but I feel like the older I get the more I like it and the more I appreciate it mm. it's mm. one that really grows on me another one that really grows on me is probably not amongst the most popular for him is um, Old Man River oh yeah is that, I, is that him originally is it I, didn't I don't know if it's that. him originally but I've definitely heard at least if not him originally I've heard a cover of him singing it wow. which I think is really really beautiful Like I just love the line I'm tired of living but I'm scared of dying which I think is just yeah. such a deep line for a song I think it's really really um, amazing yeah it's um, weird you say that because there's a few songs I like um, that even contemporary stuff that use very similar lyrics to that like there's a great band Vampire Weekend a lot of listeners will be familiar with them they've got two songs that use um, a lyric like that it's like I don't want to live like this but I don't want to die like similar similar vibes um and like their their music's really upbeat and kind of preppy and stuff. Like they're not they're not sad sad songs at all. But yeah, just it's it's a it's kind of a common refrain, I guess, in in music. Um, Candy Berling key. What would he make of this episode? What's his favorite Frank Sinatra song? Oh, okay. I think favorite Frank Sinatra song. It's got to be My Way for for Kennedy because Kennedy <laughs> doesn't do it any other way. It's only it's way on the highway. Exactly. <laughs> and Kennedy has the actually petitions have that song changed to Kennedy's way. So everyone else was doing his way too. Um, in terms of, I forgot the other part of the question. What does he think of the episode? What does he think of the episode? Yeah, yeah I think he loves it. He's, um, he knows a lot of groovy ladies. Oh, <laughs> he's known many. He's and, known in a biblical sense. <laughs> and when you meet Kennedy Burling, I'll tell you now, right? The bravest cat. <laughs> because he's like a wood he's all cool and shady okay? he certainly makes the heart go ring-a-ding-ding um <laughs> keith thank you no further explanations needed there thank you kennedy all that remains is to do a bit of who's crazy anyway before we jump into the mailbag oh, God. uh the line this week is simply don't ask me someone says don't ask me 
Don't who ask says me. That? Who says don't ask me in this episode? Oh, God, that could be anyone. It could indeed, because it was really hard for me to pick one this week that was not kind of ambiguous. Um, so... My, my, I, when you say don't ask me, I think they're in the apartment, which means it's one of the Crane boys or Daphne. I don't think it's Roz or one of the non-characters. Uh, they are in the... Are in the apartment? Are, no, are they? No, they're not in the apartment. They're not in the apartment. A bit of a bit of it. So that maybe narrows it down a bit. But I mean, you know, it's probably going to be one of the three Crane boys. So yeah, so it's definitely not Daphne. They're not in the apartment. Um, don't ask me. Maybe it's at the start. Of the... I voted for Godots. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, God, don't ask me. So I'm thinking maybe it's at the start of the funeral. It's like, oh, is this happening? Don't ask me. Maybe maybe. Daphne says to one of them, what's Fraser going to say? And they're like, oh, don't ask me. I don't think he knows you. Okay. I feel like at the start of the funeral, Daphne says to Niles and Martin, as Fraser works out, uh, do you know what Fraser is going to say? And then Martin says, don't ask me. And Niles says, um, I don't think Fraser knows yet, or Fraser's still in the other room trying to write the first line. So I'm going to say Martin says it, and then okay. Niles makes a joke about him being in the other room. The context is just a little bit off. Okay. Though it was the right line of investigation, as you'll see, and it is Martin. Well played. I'll take that. <laughs> oh, what am I going to say at this memorial? Don't ask me. Well, you write lyrics, don't you? Yeah, right. <laughs> I like the Sinatra. That's really, I love that. Tell that to Sinatra. I love sure. that. Um, and then when he's like, you know, uh, you know, I finished it. I walked down that highway, climbed that mountain and reached for the stars. Oh, sure. Now I get hot. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, but yeah, it was Martin. Well played. Okay. You've uh, not failed many of your, uh, many of your uh, who's cranes for a long time now. I don't know. I think I've been on a losing streak. Like, yeah, I? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You seem like you always do well to me. No, it's uh, just because I chat for like 20 minutes about the context. And that way, even if I'm wrong, people think at least, oh, he seems to know what he's on about. <laughs> Raz, who's our next caller? Okay, for listening mail this week, um, quite a few of you written in. Really appreciate that. Katie Brightside, who we've heard from a few times, I think, but not, uh, not a regular. Put Key, congrats on your Battlefield promotion this episode. <laughs> a lot of people commented on this, Key, as I'm sure we're going to see. Um, it was a big hit. Um, I... I'd not heard any of it until I edited, and I loved it so much. I was like, there's no way I'm taking this out. I was very confident it was going to be taken out, which is why I did it. I, I didn't one, think it'd be kept in. There's one bit I've put into the bloopers, do you, which is a bit of a bit of a surprise for obviously the end of the episode, but people will probably forget by the time they get there. Do you remember a period when you were just singing to yourself? No, I was okay. singing. You were singing a very classic club song that I've um, I've put into the. Uh, into I the don't bloopers. remember this at all. I'm not going to say what song it was, but that'll be a little surprise for the end of oh, the was season. Was it a good delivery? Was I? Uh, you were, it was a bit muted because you were quite far <laughs> away from the mic. Um, so I might have to pump up the volume on that one, oh, so to God. speak. If it's um, something like, I feel like if you're, it's a probably club classic, it's going to be like Barbie Girl or something like that. We <laughs> pump it up. No, slightly better than Barbie Girl. Um, Argle Gargle next key. Uh, yeah, Argle Gargle Google Group. Another person who congratulates me for holding down the fort at the end, <laughs> comparing me to. Filling, uh, like Fraser filling in for Bulldog in Love Bites Dog, but I did oh. better, so thank you very much. Oh, look at that. Um, they agree in terms of uh, Fraser being dead against theme shows when he's already embraced sponsors, particularly earlier on, on in season one, and makes a very good point that Fraser already had a theme show of shorts on Intrusion. Mm. Um, which I think, yes, you had key a in good... your comments on Intrusion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, Google, 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 Google goes on to say that one of his favorite lines from the episode is, I ask you to meet, keep that man, I ask you to keep that dog quiet, and instead you outfit him with a megaphone. Really good. Uh, Kelsey's delivery here and throughout the extended scene was just brilliant. And so Kelsey would have been their best actor pick. Ah, do we know if Argle Gargle is a he or a she? I'm not sure. That's, that's why I, 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 for some that. reason, I assumed she, but you said he. Um, oh, I'm, I'm not sure. So, you know, so we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, MK for a uh, key great app. Can't believe all this time Will was holding you back. Yes. I do find it peculiar that in the same episode you said this was a dictatorship that Will's power just happened to cut out. I jest, of course, but I agree. It is the pause that does it. This is when you were basically saying, Oh, it's the pause that does it, is it? Thank you for listening 
to wear listening. It is. It's the pause. It's the pause. That's I noticed last week when we recorded, I didn't do the pause. Oh no! So good. So actually thinking that episode, I don't do it. That was completely like I wasn't even conscious that you'd mentioned it. But there you go. Um, Planet and box Toccata and fugue in D minor are my faves for classical music. There, Um, trivia and fun bits of Martin does it his way. For a relative we never see or hear about again, the Crane clan certainly know a lot about Aunt Louise, so much so from Martin's point of view. It makes me think she's from his side of the family, which makes it painful to discover that we know more about Aunt Louise than we do about Martin's brother, who I can't even remember the name of as I type this, obviously coming up uh, in a season or two in Beware of Greeks. The choir in this ep is the same choir Fraser hires for his theme song, and they're playing our song. No way! Wow. That is Awesome. Oh, awesome. Yeah. What an absolutely brilliant fun bit. Thank you so much, MK. That's that's really cool. I, I now really regret um not not starting my little improvised bit by by staging a military coup, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't regret that too much. <laughs> kind of glad that's how it panned out. Um next up we have uh Sydney Asbasket, who just says brilliant episode, gents. Uh never been a fa- it's never been a favorite of mine. Um, I've known many years ago to skip this period of episodes involving Kate, but the older I've gotten, the more I've learned to love them. Key, you did very well to keep the show going in its time of need. Well wow. done, sir. Look at that. Thank you. From the desk of Mr. Assbasket. Um, E-R-E-T-R-T-I, I think is a first time... Um, First time I put, hello, gents, another fine episode. I've been listening for a few months now. Love what you guys are doing. I wonder if that's a direct reference to Kate, you know, in the first episode of this season when she goes, I love what you're doing. I've heard your show. I love what you're doing. So the way she it says that, to yeah. it sounds like it could be. Um, they, they go on, um, if it's a he, they, he goes on to talk about um, Daphne's description of the gun. Um, basically, that it's a 45 ACP. I think we misheard it as ACB, um, short for automatic Colt pistol. Though she's basically describing the Colt 1911, which is the Colt I always think of. It's based on the World War II pistol. So if you ever played Call of Duty or anything, it's the one you always have as the sidearm. Um, so yeah, that's you know, it, it's a kind of it says it's left hanging a little bit. It's, it doesn't lead anywhere. Um, that she has all this firearm knowledge. Obviously, she worked in a supermarket, but. Um, Still, whether whether it, you know you would need that level of knowledge, you know, as it could have gone somewhere else. Um, sorry for the completely unnecessary delve into such a minor detail, but I always think about it when I see this episode. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, next up, we have uh, Reclia, who says that um, she gives uh, Roz her actor pick for this episode as well. She was amazing acting all sexed up. That sounds kind of wrong, doesn't it? Uh, well, you get what she means, you know. <laughs> um, Martin does it his way. In a nutshell, a heartwarming ending, but the rest of the episodes seem weak to me. Uh, perhaps would have worked as a side plot. Uh, my favourite part was Niles struggling to open the urn in the background. I, I guess, yeah, the opposite to what I've said all along, really, that my favourite bit is, you know, not the heartwarming part, but the, the actual creating of the music. Um, so, yeah, interesting stuff. Cam Winston put, boys, while well, wasn't that a fun episode, Will disappeared, Key did his best, but ultimately I got a laugh out of it all. My favourite part was when Key was all quiet and shy when he said, listeners, I don't know where Will's gone. Brilliant. However, I think you've missed your chance, Key, as that was your one shot to really ram home your claim about warm cheese will wasn't there to debate you or have a say i feel one day we're gonna record this in the same room i'm gonna go full phrase like lock you out you're gonna be like niles <laughs> at the window and me just pick up the microphone going to a rant about warm cheese. you're on the crane with fraser air <laughs> anyway classical music i don't really know too much about it to make an opinion for you but i am a diverse individual who appreciates all good genres of music classical or otherwise so keen to learn some more i can go from listening to rage against the machine one minute to harry connick jr the next i'm game for anything really apart from country peace lads as, as always up the villa i'm exactly the same i am very open-minded with music and i will literally listen to anything um if someone sends me something that they like and they're recommending i'll always give it the time of day um i try not to have any kind of preconceptions anymore um country music i, I guess i'd agree with i don't listen to a lot of it's modern country is it you need a big pinch of salt to get get through that um but like classic country you know cash james taylor um, all of those lot. I'm a huge fan. I mean, you strike me as you're a fan of that kind of, maybe not. Yeah, yeah in the sense that I like Taylor and that sort of era of I country music. Taylor. I do. Got him on when, vinyl as well. When I say, when you say to me modern country music, um, mm. I probably, I'd struggle to tell you anyone, to be honest. I I know for a while, like, I think Taylor Swift was really portrayed as like the new she country was, music yeah, star. Yeah. And now she's just the biggest star generally you yeah know. um but and i don't really i don't listen to much of taylor swift because my brother 
really liked her when we were young and that made me hate her for that reason. <laughs> I like that. Um, and I should give my brother a shout out. According to my, um, he, he apparently, he messaged me the other day to say that he asked for a shout out six weeks ago and apparently it hasn't happened. Oh my God. So uh, this is a shout out to my brother who, uh, like a couple of people I know, has bought the box set to watch along with us. So I love that, man. He's watching each episode as he goes along. So Shout out to Big Steve. Yeah, shout out to Steve. Well done, mate. Cracking <laughs> stuff, man. There's a few people who actually have asked for shout outs. Someone on Facebook mentioned not long ago. I can't remember who it was. I feel terrible now. Um, this is the worst shout out ever, mate. Like, I, someone, I, I don't remember their name. Someone, <laughs> I, think, I think they were saying their mom was watching or listens to the podcast as well, or they watched the show with their mom. I can't remember which. Um, but whoever that is, get in touch again, please, and I'll <laughs> give you a proper one next week. Um, because this is not a half ass one. We will get you your shout out. Um, yeah, next we have a Yoshi's Hedge Maze. Um, it gives a really, really interesting um, comment here about um, sport in the UK and the US, and particularly focus on, focuses on the Cleveland Browns and how they mm-hmm. moved uh, to Baltimore and became the Ravens in 1996. Um, a new um, franchise was set up in Cleveland to replace them, with the owner being Al Lerner. Um, a family that's quite well known in England as well because um, our son, Randy Lerner, went on to own both the Cleveland Browns and Aston Villa, which is the team that Bill and I support. I'm booing Randy Lerner, not Aston Villa. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, a really interesting point. And he goes on to state, I, I do find it really weird, actually, um, that, that teams in America move so much. I think I've said this before, but I mean, they go, nuts, on, yeah. they go on to conclude for, as to why teams don't move in Britain, I suspect it's due to the relative density of clubs. There's no untapped market to move to 20 um, English Premier League clubs for 65 million people, whereas they have 32 NFL clubs for 330 million people. It's such a good point, that is. And it's not even uh, 20 EPL clubs. It is literally like hundreds of football clubs. Yeah, um, I mean, so, there's 92 clubs in the Football League. Um, yeah, and then you've got like league, Sunday all, League. And, yeah, non-league. You know, it's mad. And obviously, for 32 NFL clubs, you have a bit of college football, but it's I don't think college football... Well, no, college football gets a big audience, but yeah, we, we have a lot of football teams, so there's always someone to support. And I think in this country, it wouldn't be tolerated to move a club. It would it, not. A, it a would fan not. base considers that whoever is the legal owner of the club doesn't really matter. They A fan base will always consider that they own, they're the spiritual owners of oh, the club. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, there was a, everything. Obviously, I don't know. I think we probably mentioned this on the podcast before. Um, there was a club called Wimbledon and that new owners tried to move them to Milton Keynes. Yeah, and we did. it is still a big thing. There's still a lot of hatred there. Um, so it just, I think it's just a different mentality in this country to sports that we see it as a community thing, maybe more so than perhaps they do in America. That, that People might disagree with that. I don't know enough about American sports really, but we certainly see it as belonging to the community. It does have its grassroots in, you know, in, in working class communities and, you know, that that's where football was kind of born from, I guess. Um, I, I couldn't pretend to know where American football's historic roots lie, but, you know, it, considering it's such a, a kind of phenomena when it comes to, like, capital and business and stuff, um, it might not have those historical roots, etc., in, in place and geography as, as it does here. But, yeah, America is so much bigger than the UK. There's so many more people. It is a completely different beast, Um and I guess it's just, you know, this is a way of negotiating that. Um, we're certainly not judging it. Um, do you want to, oh, sorry, do you want to read out their, their last line as well? A little bit more, yeah. Um, so the final bit of that is, um, never thought they, they said they never thought they'd tell this story to some Brits on a Fraser show, but here we are. So keep up the good work. Cheers and hashtag up the villa. Loving that. We're okay. playing at eight o'clock tonight, our time to send your love. Uh, well, don't send your love because by the time you're listening to this, we will have played, played last <laughs> week. I'm possibly lost. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone who wrote in. Wonderful to hear from you all as always. Um, keep them coming every week. Uh, next week, we'll be looking at season three, episode four, which I think is Leaping Lizards. Um, we've got a run now of about four episodes that are very Frasier and Kate heavy. If that's your thing, you're going to enjoy it. If it's not your thing, we'll try and make it as enjoyable as we can. Um, me and Kia are kind of sceptical about the longevity of Kate Costas, but obviously we're, we're not here to, uh, to poo-poo on Frasier, so we'll keep going. Um, but yeah, any final words, Kay? You are such a groovy lady. <laughs> just, just to say. Thank you very much. <laughs> that's it, very that's much. all I've got. <laughs> that, no, that's all I needed. Um, but other than that, I've been Will. I've been Kay. Thank you very much for listening. We're listening. 
Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs Oh my And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs 